Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Back again, huh? Busy week. Vince Quinn, yes, here again, third straight night on CBS Sports Radio. They're working me to the bone, which uh, all fine with me. Hope you're doing all right. Hope you had a good week. A lot of things to get into as we dig into. I mean, you look around like it, it's one of those times where it's just such a busy time of year with the NBA now getting close to the playoffs, which is a couple of weeks away. You've got uh, the baseball season in full swing. There was a weird moment in the Dodgers-Padres game that we'll get to a little bit later. It's a fun little rivalry that's starting to build up, so you love to see that. But what we're going to start with is, I mean, the Trevor Lawrence story over this week has been incredibly fascinating because you got to think about this, right? Trevor Lawrence comes into the draft this year as... A prodigy. He was a freshman that was theoretically the number one pick in the draft right then. We've been waiting on this for years, right? It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we sat down and somebody said, like, you had a conversation with a friend of yours and you looked over and you go, so we want to tank for Trevor Lawrence, huh? I mean, (laughs) it's been a long time coming. Me and Graceffo spent this whole year going, hey, how those Jets doing? Losing games, baby. Let's get that Trevor Lawrence. Now, you know, I, I, and I don't mean to rub it in Graceffo, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, we, we went through all this with the idea of the, the understanding that he was the guy. He was the undisputed guy. There really wasn't anything else as much as, yes, Justin Fields, great college career, playing playoff games and all that stuff. Zach Wilson, as much as he's flown up the board and improved his stock, There was never a doubt that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the guy. Now he's going to be the guy in Jacksonville. If you believe some of the reporting out there, he's already got the playbook, right? So he's walking around. He's saying, hey, I like this. I don't like that. This is what we're going to do. Can you add a little bit more of this? And, And that's the life that he's living right now. He is the golden boy. And so, and he's earned that. Obviously, based on the career that he's had as a college player, he's earned that. So, You look at where he's at right now, and he does an interview. He's talking a little bit about who he is, and it's a nice interview, right? You learn a lot about his childhood and the kind of person he was as he grew up, what his family's like, and then you get the quotes about football, and everybody starts to panic. Okay, and I've got some of the quotes laying around here. I've got like a million pieces of paper in front of me, so I will I will find it. Here we go. So here's some of the stuff that goes on that Trevor Lawrence says. Uh, let's see, quote, I don't have his, this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. I just don't have that. I can't manufacture that. I don't want to. And people see a quote like that and they freak out. They see another quote like, and I think people mistake, you know, thinking football is everything. They mistake that for being a competitor. I think that's unhealthy to a certain extent. Just always thinking that you've got to prove somebody wrong. You've got to do more. You've got to be better. You see these kinds of things, people freak out. His dad saying, he's not, quote, 
I want to win a Super Bowl at all costs. <laughs> when you hear that as a football fan, especially like if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan and you hear this kind of thing, I can only imagine the panic. And in fact, if you are somebody that is a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, how do you feel about all of this? I would love to hear from you. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. The guy is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Okay? You're going for the quarterback. This is it. Now he is the guy that won't go all in for the Super Bowl as, you know, just a casual offhand source. Uh, an anonymous scout. No, his father. Okay? It's his father. It's his own dad <laughs> saying he's not that kind of guy. And... Again, on a football level, that could make you panic. But here's the thing about it that's so interesting. It is refreshingly honest. It is incredibly honest for a guy like this to come out and say, that's not who I am. I'm not going to be the guy that's spending 20 hours a day just working out all the time, watching film, losing my mind over all of this. Like, I'm going to be a real person that has a life outside of work. And I got to tell you, on some level, I totally respect that about Trevor Lawrence. I absolutely do because I'm going to be honest with you for a minute. I was a mess. Like for me coming up in this business to get to the spot where I'm sitting here right now in a chair talking to you over a microphone through the radio. For me to get into this job, the amount of times where I would sleep for two hours at a time and then I'd get up and I'd go back to work and I'd sleep for two hours. Then maybe I'd sleep for four. I'd sleep on a couch at the radio station. Like I, I lived to work for about eight years of my life. That's all, that's all I did. That's it. Times where holidays, gone. Birthday parties, gone. Nights out at the bar on the weekend, gone. I, I didn't do any of that for a long time. I, I snuck it in here and there. But work came first. And you know what? I was miserable. I was miserable. It took me a long time to realize it. I was absolutely a mess. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy is as true as you can possibly imagine. For me, that's the life that I lived. And to see a guy like Trevor Lawrence come out and go, you know, that's not who I am. I'm not this obsessive competitor. I'm, I love football. I think it's great. I have a great time doing it. I want to be good at it, but this is not the only thing about me. This is not the only thing that defines me. First off, that's an incredibly comfortable thing to say as a guy that's 21 years old, right? Like, think of the pressure that he's got to say the complete opposite. Everybody in the world, he is the number one pick in the draft. You don't think there's some PR person that's buzzing around him, his agent, Somebody that's going, dude, you got to tell everybody that you love football and you can't wait and you're trying to win 18 Super Bowls in Jacksonville. That's what everybody wants to hear. That's going to get the crowd going nuts. And he's like, no, 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 trust me. That's just not me. I'm just not that guy. So for him to have that kind of self-awareness is admirable. It makes me like Trevor Lawrence a little bit. But here's the thing that you think about because as much as all of this comes out, and yeah, people are probably freaking out about it on some football level. Well, he decides as much as he's displayed who he is, that he needs to issue a second statement after the piece comes out. And he has to explain to people that football is a, all caps, huge priority in my life. 
he's trying to win. You know, so he has to put out this whole, it's three different tweets, and it's just a long explainer of, look, listen, I like football. Let's not overreact here. This is getting taken out of context. And so as much as I like the fact that Trevor Lawrence is honest, the truth is, and this comes up time and time again, as much as everybody says that they want to see athletes and coaches and whatever be honest, they don't. They don't. People don't actually appreciate honesty when it's presented to them. They don't like it. And that's a shame because it would be great. It would be great if Trevor Lawrence was able to do this kind of thing. But now he's got he's to back it up a little bit. He's got to calm people down a little bit. It's not worth the aggravation is really what it comes down to. It's not worth it for athletes, to be honest. Why? What does it do? When it comes to football, when it comes to basketball, whatever sport these guys play, if you're a professional or about to be a professional – and you've got the opportunity to get in front of a microphone at a press conference or whatever and speak to the masses, just talk to a reporter one-on-one over the phone, over a Zoom, whatever. You have any opportunity to talk about the sport that you play, the job that you have, you're better off just lying your you-know-what off. Just lie all the time. Because that's what guys do, and nobody cares. How many times do you walk in? It's like I mean, the best was there was a moment during the course of the year where the Patriots were getting ready to play the Jets. And Bill Belichick, what does he do? He gets up to the podium. He's like, yeah, let me tell you. Adam Gase, great coach. <laughs> He's doing great work over there. <laughs> it was like, this is completely ridiculous. But that's exactly what he's supposed to do. Right? Nobody faults Bill Belichick as funny as it is to say, yeah, you know, the Jets, they got some players over there, and Adam Gase is doing a heck of a job. It's not worth it for him to go, yeah, Adam Gase sucks, and the Jets sucks, and and, and nobody cares. Why? You're going to get the other guys fired up? You're going to give them bulletin board material? There's no point in that. You know, and think about this, too. Like, how many other players that have come out in the draft over the years They come out, and they say all of the right things. They say everything you could possibly imagine. It swoons you. These coaches and scouts that fly in from all across the country into Indianapolis for the Combine, and they sit these players down in a room somewhere with all these questions that they've got planned. We're going to learn about this guy. We've got 15 minutes. Let's ask him anything we possibly can. And they start drilling them. How much do you love football? How much time are you spending studying on it? What do you think of this coverage and that coverage? And, And these guys... They're, they're in a job interview, right? So what do they do? They, just, they say, yeah, I love, I love football more than anything. Coach, I, I've never gone out drinking in my life. Budweiser, what is it? I've never heard of it before. Like it's it, Because that's the right thing to do. You're trying to, I mean, let's be honest. You ever been in a job interview? Do you exactly paint the most honest picture of yourself? <laughs> Are you giving a full 100 honesty in a job interview? No. Now imagine in that job interview, you've got millions of people that are going to write stories and podcasts and host shows like this one based on what you say. Are you going to be like, yeah, you know, sometimes I like to show up five minutes late, 10 minutes late. Nobody cares. I'll take a lunch break for an hour and a half pretty regularly because, you know, who cares? Facebook during the day or Twitter, whatever your thing is, Instagram. Yeah, I spend a lot of time on social media. I probably spend during the workday more time on social media than actually doing my work. But you know what? I'm a good employee, I think. You know, it's not not a selling point. 
So what do you do? You sit down, you say, I work as hard as anybody. I'm very organized. I'm a great team player. Nobody's a better team player than me. Oh my goodness. I'm always there for the team. I love the company. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattoo of the business on my chest, right over my heart. That's what you say. That's what you do. So that's what everybody does. Because ultimately, you see this kind of aggravation that Trevor Lawrence is going through right now. And this is the kind of thing that when you see a story like this, where a guy's saying, I'm not the ultimate competitor, I'm not the win-at-all-costs, slit-everybody's-throat kind of guy, when he's saying that right now before he's even joined the team, people are going to be desperate to bring this up again and again and again and again and again. If Jacksonville struggles early, if Trevor Lawrence struggles early, if they have a bad year or two, what are you going to hear about? He's not the ultimate competitor. He's not the ultimate competitor. He's not Michael Jordan. So if he's not Michael Jordan, if he's not Tom Brady, well, he might as well have never been drafted. He might as well have never bothered to begin with. That's how people are going to look at this. Because he's honest. Can you imagine if Andrew Luck was honest? I mean, look, he retired at 30. He made plenty of money, had a great career. Can you imagine if, if he was, because he was the number one pick in the draft. He was the next Peyton Manning, but also... RG3 was in that draft, too, and at the time, that was a hell of a quarterback prospect. That was a two-quarterback class. If Andrew Luck, back in 2012, comes to the podium and he goes, yeah, I just want to let everybody know that, you know, I'm very excited to be in the NFL draft and be considered one of the best quarterbacks, but, you know, if I make enough cash and I take a couple of injuries, once I turn 30, I could walk away. They're drafting RG3 at number one, okay? Robert Griffin III becomes an Indianapolis Colt. You know, like, you can't do it. You can't be honest. You, you can't say, I like football a lot, but hey, I mean, if at some point if I'm comfortable and I feel like I've done pretty good things, yeah, I'll give it up. It's not what sells. So that's the unfortunate thing about all of this is you get to a point where this guy is a 21-year-old that really knows himself and is completely honest with people and willing to go out on a limb and be like, yeah, I'm not exactly what the ideal is of what people want to see in a quarterback or any number one pick in any league. But as much as I'm not that ideal thing, I'm still really good at this. And I'm the number one pick for a reason for him to come out like that has become a firestorm. And ultimately it's just another reminder that it's not worth being honest. It's not worth it. If you're a player, if you're a coach, especially like if you're a GM, I mean, my goodness, you can never be honest, ever. You're talking about negotiation leverage, contract for contracts, for trades, sending bad messages to the fan base. Hey, I just want to, is this thing on? Okay. Yeah, I just want to let the, uh, uh, I want to let Houston Texans nation know that we are panicking about the Deshaun Watson situation. We are scared. We have no answers. We have no draft picks. We have no idea if we'll ever be able to draft a good quarterback again. And, uh, that's all we got, folks. We'll see you soon. <laughs> you can't be honest. Nobody in Houston will be honest for the next for for the foreseeable future. Nobody in management will say a single legitimate word about anything. Because why? It's not worth being honest. That's the tragedy. Now, do you actually want to see these people be honest? That's the thing. Because we always talk about it. But ultimate, and I would love to see it, but the truth is that people can't handle it and it gets these guys in more trouble than it's worth.
It's not worth being honest. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. And let's talk a little bit more about the ultimate competitor when we come back. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life. Rocket can. Keep it right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Love a good xylophone. You know, you gotta love a good xylophone intro. It's a, it's one of those instruments that you look at it and you go like, oh, I could totally play that. And then you actually pick up the sticks and you go in front of the xylophone. You're like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing here. <laughs> and I say that as I I have a bass at home. I technically I've played bass for like almost 20 years now. I've had a bass for a long time, 17 years. Something like that. I'm not any good. I'm a very casual player. I never took classes on it, but I played for a while. And then I pick up a xylophone. I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, it just makes these adorable kid sounds. And then I just sound like an idiot and I can't play anything other than like the Meow Mix theme because that's all I'm capable of doing. Although, great song. Um, so, <laughs> so I picked up my girlfriend. I played the Meow Mix theme on xylophone. Uh, okay, maybe not. But we, we've been talking about to start the show. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the idea that he's honest with people about who he is. He's a guy that's been in the limelight. He's been at one of the biggest programs in America. He's been expected to be a number one pick in the draft his entire college career, essentially. And for him to be in the spotlight as much as he's been in the spotlight and get to this moment right before the NFL draft. I mean, we're this was like two weeks before the NFL draft. And he comes out and goes, yeah, you know, I, I'm just not the all-time super elite competitor. I like football. I I put work into it. I like being good at it. But I'm not the, you know, egomaniacal, out-of-control, win-at-all-costs kind of guy. And that got a lot of people panicking. And on some level, it does matter, okay? I'm not going to tell you it doesn't matter. Because it does. It it affects his ceiling a little bit. A little bit. It has to. It makes you wonder about his career longevity a little bit. Right? I mentioned Andrew Luck last segment. They're related. Like, you, you have to... Th- if you think of a situation like this and you don't mention Andrew Luck, I, I just think you're mistaken. You have to consider it. But for Andrew... Or for Trevor Lawrence, the main thing is that he was honest about it. He's honest about who he is. He's telling you right up front exactly what he's about. And for him to be honest about it and then people to revolt about it is one of those things that's a little strange. Just on the idea that we like honesty. We say we do. And then once that honesty is presented to us, we all freak out about it. So I don't see why it's worth it for anybody to be honest. I mean, when you're a player, hey, outside of your sport, be as honest as you want. For whatever your detriment, you know, or your gain, be as honest as you want about anything. But 
when it comes to the job itself, when it comes to playing football and how you approach things, like you just tell everybody that you're rooting for the, you know, the team to be as good as it can be and you're working your hardest and you believe in the team. And, you know, I mean, how many times do you have a bad quarterback on a garbage team and they walk out and they go, listen, guys, it's training camp. I'm like, listen, guys, I think we can win the Super Bowl this year. And it's like, oh, really, Brady Quinn of the Cleveland Browns? You, you're believing in, like, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? But that's what you have to do. That's the, everybody is much more okay with that. And that's part of the tragedy of this with Trevor Lawrence. Like, if, if people were more honest about who they were, this wouldn't be a surprise. Because we get all these guys that talk a mean game, then they get to the pros, their work ethic isn't there for one reason or another, and... They're not any good, and they flame out. Well, they told us they were going to work as hard as they possibly could. What happened? Well, they lied to you because it was a job interview, or it's just easier once you're drafted to say that you're working your hardest. You love the game. There's nothing else you'd rather do. You know, it, it's easy. So I just don't know what the point is of honesty. I love to see it, but people don't appreciate it, and it is what it is. So there's more questions with that with Trevor Lawrence that I do want to get to uh, specifically with Jacksonville and how that's all going to work. And I want to get to that in a little bit, but the thing that is also so funny about this is, I mean, again, you look through some of these quotes <laughs> and they're just the biggest red flags ever. I mean, his father saying, quote, he's not award driven. He's not, I want to win a super bowl at all costs. He's not that kind of guy. Like, what does that say? You know, that's, that's like, like everybody is freaking out. They're going, boo, you know, like they get, they get, oh, oh, it's on. There we go. Yeah. So, well, now they're booing me for messing up the soundboard. But that's the whole thing is you say he's not looking to win a Super Bowl at all costs. It's like, well, what are we drafting him at number one for, right? People are going to bug out about that. So I would figure Jags fans are going crazy. But here's the thing is that, and this is the thing that a lot of people also don't like to accept about all of this. But the truth is that most guys are not the ultimate competitor. You know, like, yeah, because we get into a situation like this where you talk about work ethic and, and how committed somebody is. And it's always like, well, Michael Jordan. And it's like, yeah, my, Michael Jordan is the worst comparison you could possibly make. He is one of the most singularly unique people that's ever been in sports. And for him to be as successful as he was, it is the ridiculous talent and understanding of the game, his brain, um, and the drive. All of those things together, right? So that's what makes him the best of the best of the best of the best of the best, is having all of those things. Tom Brady has all of those things. So you can still be a Hall of Famer. You can still be one of the best to ever play and not be an egomaniacal, out-of-control, win-it-everything nut. You know, you, you, you can. It's possible. There are plenty of people that you see these guys that are Hall of Famers. Then they, you know, transition to the media. And what do you know? They're cracking jokes all the time. And, like, they're casual people. And you just hear funny stories about these guys. They're very laid back. Always got along well in the locker room and, and worked hard. But, you know, people had a good time. They went out and partied. Like, whatever. They're just they're normal people that happen to be exceptionally talented at the game. And so when you hear that people aren't Michael Jordan or Tom Brady, suddenly it's like the biggest panic in the world, but it's okay. It's okay. If you're sloppy, that's a different thing, right? Like if you're somebody, okay, you're not showing up on time, which like this goes to the false accusations that were floating around with fields that were, they're totally debunked. But if it's those things where any player, 
if it was true and you're not showing up to meetings on time, you're falling asleep in meetings, you're not actually studying the playbook, all those different things, then yes, now you've got a problem. Like, that is not being a professional. But you can be a professional and be successful and be a Hall of Famer and not be out of control, super competitive, win every second of every day, work all the time, 20 hours a day, who needs a wife or kids, or if you have them, who needs to pay attention to them? You can be good. So it's just one of those things that people hate it because the ideal is you always want to draft a guy that is talented, is smart, and wants to work their you-know-what off. So you die for that. But that's not who most people are. And so you got to take it for what it is and hope for the best. So if you want to get in and talk about it, 855-212-4227. Can Trevor Lawrence be a successful quarterback despite not being this kind of obsessive? Yes. Of course, because we've already seen it in college. And again, he's been the number one pick three years coming. I mean, it's it's just been a long time in waiting. So can he be a good pro? Yeah. But let's talk a little bit more about that fit and what happens once he goes to Jacksonville. Let's do that on the other side. 855-212-4227. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, hour two of the show gets rolling here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, we got into a couple of things here. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence for a little bit. I was spitballing my theory on Jamar Chase and guys just taking a year off, which I'm confident in that one. I feel pretty good about that. If Jamar Chase goes high, pretty good sign that if you're a high quality player, And you look around, you have a great season. You go, hey, you'd be a top 10 pick, but also you're a sophomore. Get back out there. You go, now I'm going to take the year off and I'll see the NFL in a year. Peace. So if you want to talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life. Rocket Ken. So something else, just a fun little bit of news here, by the way. Aaron Rodgers was a guest host on Jeopardy for a couple of weeks. Joe Buck is now going to be a guest host on Jeopardy. I love that. That's a nice one. Like, Joe Buck gets it. You know, his ability to roll with things. He's very funny. And obviously, he's a consummate pro. I mean, the guy's been calling the biggest events that you could possibly call. He's been doing it for what feels like forever now. That is a disgusting act. (laughs) Was Was that the moon? Yes, the Randy Moss move. That is a disgusting act. Which, it wasn't a disgusting act. That was hilarious. Was that not absolutely... Wasn't that so funny when he did that? Vince, you were like, what, 12 when he did it? Who cares? If he did that right now, I would crack up at it. I mean, he he fake moons a crowd and like rubs his butt on the goalpost. Is that what happened? Yeah. That's hilarious. That's so funny. I, I, I have no problems with that whatsoever. So then he he did that in the in the football game against the Packers, and then he said this. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, how do you pay those fines? Straight cash, homie. <laughs> That's awesome, man. 
Randy Moss was great. I mean, what what a great moment. So I, I love well, that, that. Like toned down Randy Moss at the end was kind of like eh. Like after he didn't get the money from New England that he thought he was gonna get, and like he ends up in the with Tennessee, and he goes back to Minnesota for two minutes. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird, man. Yeah, I mean, and and also the funny thing is when he was in Oakland, he was bad too. Like, or he at least wasn't Randy Moss well, he, in he, Oakland. Well, let's be honest. He did he really care? Well, that, I think at some point he did, and that's the thing that a lot of these guys you signed for the money initially. And then you get there, and you're like, "Oh, this place actually isn't good." Now the guy I see said what I it's play like. when I want to play. Yeah. <laughs> so did he really care when he got traded to the Raiders? Did he really care? Wait, he got traded to the Raiders. That's what happened. He yeah. didn't sign as a free I'm pretty agent. Pretty sure he got. I'm um, like 99.9 percent positive wow. he got traded. Damn, that's crazy. I'd have to look back at that. I can't believe they traded him. That's nuts. I mean, it worked out for them because he was bad in Oakland. He wasn't the same guy. Well, again, they traded him. The Vikings traded him because. I play when I want to play. <laughs> and that was the case in Oakland. But, man, once once he got to New England, he was ridiculous. But either way, when you fake pull your – because it's not like he, if he actually pulled his pants down and literally mooned the crowd, that would have been a thing. But for him to just be like, nah, this is a fake moon and I'm going to shake my stuff, like, yeah, whatever. Get over it, people. Be adults here. Uh, it's a game. He's having fun. So, whatever. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. I do like Joe Buck – Getting a shot at Jeopardy. I think that's a fun little thing. So good for him. I'm excited to see where that goes. Let's go to Paul in D.C. Paul, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for calling. Absolutely. So uh, uh, about the Jamar Chase thing, taking a year off, players that take a year off. I think uh, – I don't I don't believe, as you uh, uh, mentioned, I don't think it diminishes their skill set or means that they have a diminished skill set. But uh, I think what you get with players that decided to do that is more of a question mark and not necessarily uh, an indicator of who they are, but maybe who they are not. And who they're not is somebody with the, the foundation that puts the, the team first. And maybe that's something that's important to a lot of big NFL clubs. So, Yeah, and, and Paul, that would be the eternal question. I appreciate it. Like that's, that's the, You're always going to ask that if the guy takes the year off. But ultimately, what's the college team worth? Let's be real. What's the college team worth? I'm sorry. I don't care how big the program is. If you've been there for a couple of years, you played like a top-of-the-line player, and you would be a, a top-five pick in the draft, you know what your potential for earnings is? You know how not how much just your life changes? Your whole life. Not, not just your life, your family's lives, your kids' lives when you have them, your grandkids. Like, you can change everything. By being a top five pick, top ten pick, first round pick, second round pick in the NFL. Now, you're not going to skip a year to be a second round pick. But if you're one of those guys that could go in the top five, top ten, and you take a year off, then that's the right thing to do. Isn't it? I mean, put yourself in that situation. Because that's the thing. When you look at somebody else and you look at a kid that's on a college team, you go, well, that guy over there, he should play for the team. But I'm going to be completely honest. If I have the chance at a top five pick in the draft contract and I'm a sophomore in college and I just played a hell of a season, I don't care where I'm at. If they tell me it's a lock, if I stay out, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to be going pro. I'm going to be making all the money in the world. 
I've proven everything I've needed to prove. The only reason I'm not going pro is because of a dumb rule. It's a dumb rule. Is there anything that says somebody that is three years into being out of high school that they're better equipped to go pro by default? No. Like, that's that's ridiculous. I've seen 16-year-olds that are mature, more mature than an 18-year-old. I've seen 16-year-olds that are more mature than 45-year-olds. Age is irrelevant. It's who you are as a person. And in this case, it's how much your body develops. Are you fully grown, close to fully grown? Great. At 21, pretty much. You know, 20, pretty much. So you're pretty much fully developed, right? You're going you're gonna to add some muscle and whatever, but you have a good idea of whether or not you've got the body to play in the pros. So you know what that looks like. You've either got the maturity or you're close to it or you've got enough of it that even if it's not fully there, you can go pro. You've got the talent. If all of those things come together, I mean, there are guys that are seniors that are are way more immature than a freshman, right? So three years is arbitrary. It doesn't mean anything. And to go, yeah, I got to do this for the team because there's a rule that these leagues made up that tell me I can't go pro for no good reason other than trying to keep me in college football for a year, I'm not going to do it. What's it worth to me? Because for me, I've got, you know, $25 million on the line. So unless somebody wants to spot me $25 million over at Clemson or Ohio State or Notre Dame or Alabama, well then, sorry guys, I'm gone. Straight cash, homie. That's right. See, this is why I like Randy Moss. This is why we get along. Although one of us has cash. And it's not me. Um, so, anyway, 855-212-4227 is how you join the show. 855-212-4227. Now, one of the things I was getting into a little bit with Fred Van Vliet and where the NBA is going and the business of basketball and how it's affected things this year. You see the play-in tournament. And there was a lot of talk about the play-in tournament this week. Mark Cuban came out and said, I think this was a big-time mistake. Luka Doncic said he didn't understand it. Here's the thing for Doncic. With the idea of not getting really what it means for the sport, it's making money, and that is that is first and foremost. So, one, it's going to make money. You're a business first and a sport second. The other thing is people are going to watch, right? Are you going to watch a playing game? Because... I can see myself very easily sitting down and watching a play-in game. If it's on, if I've got, I don't know, right now you could see like the Warriors and, I don't know, the Trailblazers, something like that. I, I got to pull up the exact standings right now. But if you've got teams of that caliber and they're playing in a playoff game and it's a single elimination for these teams, then, yeah, like if, if it's an 8-9 seed or, or a 9-10 seed, rather, you can have the Warriors in a play-in game, single elimination. You're not going to watch that game. You're not going to watch Steph Curry. If you're a basketball fan, because if you're like, yeah, well, I hate basketball, I'm not going to watch anyway, well, then you're not really relevant for the conversation. Let's be honest. It, it just doesn't apply to you. But if you like basketball or a casual fan of basketball and you find out that you've got a play-in game like that, you're going to watch so you might not like it as a player, but it's good for the sport. It, and, and here's the other thing, too. It's not like if they have these play-in games that people are going to suddenly boycott the game of basketball. They're going to just boycott the NBA. They're going to watch, or if they're, like, a little annoyed about it, they'll just be a little annoyed about it. They'll send out a tweet, and people will live their lives. 
They'll continue. Then once the playoffs come in, if those people didn't watch the play-in, they'll watch the playoffs. Because it's playoff basketball. Playoff basketball is amazing. And so for the NBA to go, you know, we're going to stretch this out, it's something they've always wanted to do. This is what all, baseball already did it, right? Why? Because it makes all the sense in the world. And and some degree, it makes the games better. You talk about the NBA regular season and what are the complaints? The guys don't care and you get all these teams to tank and at the end of the season, and it's the same thing for baseball, at the end of the season, the games don't matter. You have a whole month for some of these teams where they're just irrelevant. But if now you're fighting for a seven seed or, you know, in the NBA, you're fighting for a 10 seed. Well, now if you're 12th, games matter because you can be 10th. Like right now in the East, okay, literally with the standings today, Bulls, 23 and 33, they're 10th. Wizards, 23 and 33, they're 11th. Raptors, 23 and 34. They're 12th. 12th. They are the 12th seed in the NBA right now. But if you're a Raptors fan and you see them sitting there at 12, you go, well, they just need to win a game or two. And now you're in the play-in. If you can win the play-in, you're in the playoffs. And if you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. You know what I mean? Like you see how like people, people will, will talk like that. Now, it can't, it won't, and and that's the funny thing about because like that's to me that's the biggest thing that with all of this that's the shame of it is how this is all going to shake out in terms of the playoff product. You're getting the play in games. You're getting the money that comes from the play in games. You're getting you're getting uh, better ticket sales and interest in the regular season games. But when you have a play in tournament like this, where these teams are going to have to fight harder for positioning, fight to get out of the play-in tournament, and end up getting in instead. When you have that kind of pressure going on, and you go through that grind, and now you're playing the one seed and the two seed, those games are irrelevant. Like, are those playoff games going to be anything? They're all going to be four-game sweeps, right? Just about. That's going to be tough, man. I mean, it's the the climb because it's already been built against you in the NBA as an eight seed. They don't want you to win, right? That's why it's seven games. They don't want you to win. Well, again, that's why the playing game, the playing tournament, for all its jazzy things, is not worth it. Like it's not worth anything. Like it's strictly a money grab to sell four games to ESPN. Like, let's be honest. That's what it is. It's a, it's a money grab, and They're it's trying a little to make up for and... lost revenue because of what has happened, which, fine, okay. And they're going to they're gonna sell it as, uh, you know, the Raptors or the Bulls or, um, you know, anybody at the bottom of the Eastern Conference that stint, like the Heat. They're going to tell you, like, oh, this team can beat the Nets. Like, What? Yeah. Like or this team can beat the Sixers in a seven game. Like they're gonna sell you the whole time that these games are so important. Meanwhile, these guys are getting led to the slaughter to face the Nets or the Sixers in the in the first round of the playoffs. Like it's a gigantic waste of time. That's why it doesn't work. That's why it's ne- it's a, that's why it's never gonna work in this sport. Like it's a nice idea. Yeah. Great. If it could work, it'd be an even better idea. But <laughs> It's a money grab at the end of the day. That's all it is. Well, here's the thing, too, because they're expanding it. Knowing all the problems that they had, they expanded it because they wanted to make up for the money they're losing. But then... What's which is the, fine. Which is fine. Just but, tell us that that's, you know, just tell us that that's what you're doing. Well, we don't want honesty, though. Right. We talked, but, and of that's course, the right. Thing. So then don't tell me, on the other <laughs> side of the coin, 
that the Wizards, the god-awful Washington Wizards, with Russell Westbrook shooting 20% from three, can beat the Nets in a playoff series. Like, that's not happening. No, it's not. There's no chance on earth that that's happening. And so you look at it and you go, because here's the thing. If they're going to go, let's let's get this playoff tournament. We're doing it, expanded playoffs. And we think it's this great thing. I mean, really, we think it's about money and we're, we're trying to make up for money. But it's this great thing. And then you get to next year and it's a normal season. Because I'll tell you, I like driving in to get here to the studio, it's busy out there, man. It is a whole different world than it was a month ago. The traffic that I'm dealing with getting in here, the people I'm seeing on the street, delivery guys riding this way and that, like it is a whole different world now. The next NBA season will be a regular season. I guarantee you, fully open stadiums, 82 games, the normal scheduling, normal time frames, like they will do all of that next year. And when they get to that point where they're making the expected amount of money on a regular season, they'll go, well, we made this money on the play-in, so now we don't want to lose that money. It was a makeup before, but now it's money they'd be leaving on the table. So I can't imagine they'll leave the play-in tournament. No, it's never going anywhere. It's never going anywhere. Yeah. It's like, oh, all of a sudden ESPN is going to give back the four the four games that they get. And again, they're going to treat them like they're playoff games, so they're going to try to get people to watch. And people will watch. Last year, people watched the Blazers and the Grizzlies play in, a play, like, play in that dumb play-in game that they aired at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and people watched it. Yeah. Now, did, did you ever find yourself, or, or anyone, did anyone ever find themselves watching Blazers, Grizzlies at any other point? No. But they <laughs> sold it as... A playoff spot's on the line, so you might as well watch it. And then, you know, Portland won the game, and they got off on a little run, and it was great. Everybody enjoyed it. It was awesome. What's the thing? Yeah, you have to watch it. But, and then but here's, Zion but here's year, the thing. You know? But here's the thing. In the Eastern Conference, the dreck of the Eastern Conference, with the Wizards and the Bulls, it's a waste of time. Now, if you want to, get, if you want to talk about the West, and you got teams like the Warriors in there, that maybe the Warriors can get a game. Like, can the Warriors get a game off of uh, the Jazz? I would hope that the Warriors can get a game off the Jazz. But in the long run, is it going to go anywhere? Like, the, like it would be interesting in that if the Warriors come out with the eighth seed, it's interesting. They, they, you know, they have this championship pedigree. Steph is playing out of his mind. Uh, you know, they aren't looking too good lately. But you know, they actually the, the league and the network can sell the Warriors as you know. A legitimate playoff team. And a spectacle because you get Steph and the wow factor that goes with him. So, yeah, that's that's a total sell. But the, the other problem is it's not just you're playing these play-in games, so you've got this grind as a team that wouldn't normally be in to get in. But once you do, or as you do, those top seeds are getting a free pass. They're sitting around. So you're going to have a, a couple of days where you get a bye. You know, you get to sit around and relax and recover and have a practice or two, which teams so rarely do. And you can just stay in shape that way. Meanwhile, these teams are playing games, and then they've got to travel to come and see you. So, I mean, advantage just grows significantly for don't the let, one and but two. But don't let Mark Cuban hear about it, though, Vince. <laughs> well, he I, he regrets it already. <laughs> you know, don't let Mark Cuban just hear that it's a money grab and we got to keep everybody healthy. I think at this point he would say it. if you If you asked him about it, I bet he would. Because that's that's why they voted on it. That's why they all that's why they all voted on it. Now he's there as a seven seed. He goes, uh oh, 
I'm right at the line here. I'm going to be in the playoff tournament. I have risk of my guys getting hurt. I'm losing that ability to to get rest for a couple of days. This difference between a six seed and a seven seed to get those couple of days off for the Trailblazers right now, you fight like hell for that six seed. That matters. I'll take those couple extra days off. I'll take the risk of not having to be in the play-in tournament. Whatever physical stress you're going to have to put on, because at the end of those regular season games, if you have to play a couple of extra minutes to grind one out, well, you get a couple of extra days off, and it's worth it. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. It's such a... Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so a couple of things to get into here that don't have to do with my diet. Um, <laughs> Vince Quinn on CBS Sports Radio. So let's first let's do something that we've been getting into on some level every week, and this is just keeping you posted on what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Because I, I mean, the, the whole thing is just such a ridiculous scenario, and it's always moving and shaking and figuring out what the hell's going on. So. Here's the situation with Watson right now. Here's here's where it's all laying out. Is first thing that happened is a case was dropped against Watson. Now, basically, I can't. I'm not good with the legalese, but my understanding is the case was dropped. They do have the opportunity to file the case again down the line. So it's not like the case was rejected or thrown out. They just decided to withdraw the case, and so. It goes to 21 cases against Watson. But then, sure enough, another case pops up, and now Watson is back at 22. So it's a complete mess still in that regard. The other thing is that the Texans spoke about Watson, and they were asking the team, you know, how do you guys feel about all this? Nick Casario says, basically, we're going to respect the legal process and let it play out. So they're not making any grand statements And most notably, and really, this is the most important thing, because when we last talked about all of this, he was losing sponsorships like crazy, including the energy group that's connected to the Houston Texans and sponsors the stadium. So when sponsorships like that are just totally disappearing, running away from Deshaun Watson, and the Texans are like their biggest, one of their biggest partners is connected to that, you go, "Uh uh-oh, you know, maybe this is it. Because a lot of this stuff is momentum right? A lot of the ways that these cases get handled, it's public attention. How much do people care? How much are they talking about it? Is there a sense of pressure to make a move? And when all the sponsors were running away from Watson, you're going to look at it and go, okay, if the NFL is going to say, we're going to put this guy on the commissioner's list, that would be the time to do it, right? That was at least a benchmark of a time that you would do it. There's going to be other spots along the way, but this is one of those opportunities. Everybody's running away. It'd be nice, clean, easy. Other people have done it, so you didn't do it first. It's easy to make the call. 
They didn't do it. So, given where it is now that he hasn't been suspended after all these sponsors ran away, given that he hasn't been suspended by the Texans either, there is a chance right now that Deshaun Watson, if these cases aren't settled, there's a case that he does play. There is a case for that. There's an argument to be made. So, we'll see where all of that goes. But the fact that right now he doesn't have any of that and these cases are still, you know, it's going to take a while with the legal process. But also... Workouts are going to be coming around soon. So that's going to be one of the next things you really look towards because the draft isn't going to change anything for Watson. The only thing that changes for Watson is do they draft a quarterback and when and who is it? But outside of that, it's going to be, okay, Deshaun Watson is showing up to the Texans facility. And so given that, do they want him there? And if they don't, why didn't they put him on the exempt list before? You know what I mean? So that's going to be a major question, and we'll see where all of that goes. But that's that's pretty much your Deshaun Watson update for now. It was a pretty tame week, all things considered, with his case. Now, the other thing that was really interesting, there was a report that came out talking about Zach Levine, who's with the Bulls, really solid young player. And the report is that he has the chance for an extension this offseason. He's not going to sign it. He doesn't want it. And instead, he's going to hit free agency, which... If you're the Chicago Bulls, I mean, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that is terrible news to hear. If that's really going to be the case, that he's going to leave. Because the problem with the NBA compared to every other sport is obviously the max contract. The max contract as a general manager can be nice at times. It allows you to get super elite players and put a couple of them on a roster together when normally you would not be able to. Right? Can't afford it. If it was a unrestricted contract world where, like, I was talking about this last night when I was in for sale. LeBron James, if he's on the open market, he's not making $40 million a year. $45 million a year. Honestly, that's laughable. He's worth at least 60 I mean, at minimum. Minimum. For the amount of people that are going to show up to the building, the tickets that you sell, the concessions that go with that, the merchandise people buy, the national games, all the press that he brings, you probably get some mentions in Space Jam too. You pile all that stuff up together, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good package. You get excited about that. That's worth a minimum $60 million a year to have LeBron James attached to your franchise. You're going to the playoffs every single year just about without fail, assuming he's healthy. It's worth it. He's worth every penny of $60 million. You don't blink. Maybe he's worth 80. I mean, who knows? So that's the kind of thing that you live with. Like when you have these max deals, you can fit LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Otherwise, if LeBron's worth 60 or 80, Anthony Davis is worth what? 50, you know, <laughs> like for the kind of money that he would be worth, you couldn't fit those guys together. But the contracts, max contracts allow you to do it. So when you're a general manager, that could be nice. But also, when you're a general manager and you're the Chicago Bulls and you have Zach Levine and all you can offer him is a set amount, what's the negotiation? Well, Zach, let's sit down here. Let's talk hardball, all right? Let's get down to facts and figures. We're not going to pay you the max. Oh, really? Is that how you're going to open negotiations? You won't pay me the max. No. Like, what? It, really? It, can you sit down with a straight face and make that argument to an agent? Do people do that? I would love to know if people actually do that. Agents must have crazy stories. Like, somebody's really trying to hardball you. Like, listen, Kevin Durant, okay? Let's talk turkey. You're only getting three years, five million less than the max. It's like, get out of here, you idiot. What are, what are we even talking about? 
don't even invite me here if you're going to insult me and not assume the max is involved here. It's the max, and what else are you going to do for me because the max doesn't cover my value enough. So when you're a GM and you've got Zach Levine and all you can do is offer him the max and he knows that and he's not interested in the max, that's a terrible place to be. Like, I, there are times where I feel for NBA general managers because you get these guys in, and for every other sport, you can just look around and go, listen, you like money, we like money, we'll give you money, we're happy to give you money, here's money. And they go, all right, that's great. And they sign on the dotted line, and they go about their lives. It doesn't matter if you're an average team or an awful team in a lot of cases, a great team, doesn't matter. If you give them the kind of money that they're worth, they'll stay because they're getting paid what they're worth to do their job. And that's what we all want at the end of the day. Right, you, you just want to get paid what you're worth for what you do. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's capped like this, you're looking around at everything else outside of the contract because that value, if it's you know 25 or 35 or whatever it is, you know what it is. It's locked in. So somebody's going to give that to you. Or if you're a guy like Zach Levine, a lot of teams are going to give that to you. So now you're looking at the rest of the roster. You're looking at the city. You're looking at the coach. You're looking at the kind of say that you have in the operation. Your agent's going to tell you some things about the team. Like, all of those things pile up, and then you get to a point where you make that decision of where you're going to play. But otherwise, if you're the Bulls, I, I mean, what else do you do? You Look at the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Why is Drew Holiday on the team? Because they were desperate. They were de- they're like, Giannis, please, for the love of God, we, we can only offer you the max. That's all we can do. Okay, if I could give you $80 million, I would. If I could give you the fattest cow, I would do that. The contracts do not allow me to. So allow me to present you your new friend, Drew Holiday. Da-da-da-da. And the crowd cheers. You know, like that's, yeah, here's Drew. We're going to go win a title, baby. Let's go, Giannis. Here we go. And and that's it. You, you hope he stays. And he goes, yeah, okay. And he signs the deal. Chicago does the same thing. They go out and they trade for Nikola Vucevic. And you go, wait, wait, where did this come from? Nobody saw that coming. They're like, whoa, Orlando just blew everything up. And so Vucevic, he goes over to Chicago. And they go, listen, hey, Zach, buddy, Zachy, my guy, Z-Man, what's going on? Hey, pal, here's Vucevic. And it's like, crickets, crickets. Which also means you need to get a cricket sound effect for the soundboard. We're going to have to work on that. (laughs) It's my homework for next week. But that's what they're trying to do. You make these moves to try to appease players. And that's the thing that's so frustrating. You, There we go. See, you've got there. There we go. That's, together, we have one functional soundboard is, is what I've gathered. So good for us. But, man, I mean, when you have to give up things just to try to convince a guy to stay because you can't offer him the money that would convince him to stay, that's got to drive you nuts as a GM. You make all of these over-the-top moves that you wouldn't make because the league forces you to, and it's not with the guarantee that these guys are going to stay. If you offer them the money, they stay. It's easy. You've paid them. It's done. But now if you're trading all of these things and the guy leaves, well, now you've got all of these complimentary players for a player that isn't with you anymore. And that just totally sucks. It's a terrible place to be. So... If that's the case with Levine and he goes, I feel for the Bulls, man. Like, yeah, build a better better team. I get it. But also, money should be able to fix your problem, and it can't. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 
855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio. You can always get in on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so let's talk about the Warriors here for a minute because fascinating team, right? You look at last year's situation and you go, okay, everybody got injured, team stinks. Now they're getting one of the top picks in the draft, which is like, holy crap. If anybody deserves the number two pick in the draft, it isn't the Warriors. The Warriors absolutely do not deserve to have the chance to get a generational talent at the top of the draft. While Steph Curry exists, okay, they have no business. With Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, there's no reason that that team should ever be a top five pick. And they were. They got number two. They got James Wiseman at the top of the draft. And you go, this is unfair. This is unfair that a team got this kind of talent when they don't need it. They don't need it. Well, they get James Wiseman, and he plays this year. And on some level, you look at the numbers and they're okay. You know, he's scoring, he's playing 20 minutes a night. He's scoring 11 points a game. You go, okay, like he's doing something here. Almost six rebounds a game. As a 19-year-old in the NBA, it's not bad. It's not bad. Now, you know, the deeper analysis will tell you he underperformed a little bit. And so it is what it is. He's a 19-year-old that also... He didn't really play last year in college either, right? Did he what did he play like 3 games because of the because Penny Hardaway helped him move? How dumb was that? I mean, that was like the dumbest reason. Oh my god, you had a, a coach or an alumni that like helped you. He picked up a couch, he ordered a U-Haul for you. You're dead to us. Get out of here, kid. Like crazy. Yeah, you realize the money you could make off a of James Wiseman playing and how that would help you? No, banish him. Banish him to the depths of hell for getting help moving, which everybody wants. I hope nobody that's an executive with the NCAA gets help when they move. That's that's where I'm at. I hope they don't get help when they move. But he he plays three games as an 18-year-old in college. Then he goes pro, and he ends up playing in 39 games as a 19-year-old. And he's not exactly lighting everything up, but he's not awful. So that's what you get. Now, for the Warriors... This puts them in an interesting spot because they wanted to see a little bit more out of James Wiseman than what they got. But also, Steph Curry's playing out of his mind, okay? He's playing ridiculous. He put up 47 points tonight in a loss. That is the life that he lives right now, okay? The guy is an MVP candidate. He has to be. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking last night about Jokic and Embiid because those are the two guys at the top, and and that's just what it's been. But Steph Curry's getting into the conversation, okay? He's he's had 60-point nights. He's had multiple nights of – he's like – is he at 10 games now of 30 points in a row? Like, he's he's just out of his mind. So he's in that conversation. And so you have two totally different problematic things that exist at the same time. 
the Warriors, when they drafted James Wiseman because they had that pick and the option to trade it, decided that they were going to go and take the kid. But now, with Steph Curry playing the way that he does, with James Wiseman playing the way that he did, now being injured and done for the season, you have a complicated question. And Steve Kerr, just the other day, talked about this. Um, so I think, the, the, you know, the 100% when we picked him, it was this guy is really talented and he's a great kid. And uh, he's, he's young and he's got, uh, you know, a long career ahead of him. So however long it takes, you know, he's, he's going to be well worth the pick. And, you, you know, this is – and I know, you know, we, we, can, we can further the conversation and say what about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the timeline with, with Steph and, and Draymond and Clay and what, what does that mean? And, and those are valid questions. You know, can we get James, you know, up to speed quick enough to match the timeline of our, our three core guys? Um, and uh, and that's a great question, and we don't we don't know the answer. But you know, when you go into a draft and you see somebody who you feel like is uh, potentially, you know, a, a generational talent, then you know you that's you know, that's a decision you have to make. So that's the thing. He, he wants everything. That's the Warriors right there wanting everything. Is James Wiseman a generational talent that you take at number two? Absolutely. Is he going to be ready for the window for Steph Curry right now, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, to be part of that team next year and be a worthwhile part of a title run? Well, maybe not. And so what do you do with James Wiseman? And who do the Warriors want to be? Right? Are they going to give this kid time, or do you sell out and get rid of him at 20 years old? He just turned 20, by the way. He's been 20 for like... A couple of weeks. And are you going to give up on that kid that you just took at number two when it's the NBA? And it takes till you're 24, 25, 26 to really reach the top of your potential. The same way Jokic and Embiid are right now. It takes age. So do you give that up and go all in on Steph Curry? I think you do. I think you have to. And I feel bad for Wiseman because it's going to make him look bad. It's You look bad when you get dealt. When you're a number two pick in the draft and a team gives up on you after a year, it looks bad. But they're going to have to have that conversation. That's what this offseason is going to be. And when you float that kind of thing out, and again, going back to Trevor Lawrence, honesty is nice. It doesn't help you. You should always lie. If you work in sports, if you're being asked about your job, you should always lie. When you're in sports radio, you can be honest, which is nice, but otherwise, you lie. So when you've got that spot, Steve Kerr goes, yeah, this is a real question. we got to know what to do with James Wiseman. We're not quite sure. For him to say that now, they're going to go through the whole offseason. What do you do if you're a Warriors fan? Well, now you you ask a question, hey, Zach Levine, maybe he's not going to stay with the Bulls. Can we trade James Wiseman, right? Like everything in the offseason could reasonably be put in a do you trade James Wiseman or do you not discussion, making the window of the Warriors revolve on some level around a 20-year-old kid in his second season in the NBA. That's a tough spot to be in, man. That's a tough spot for him. And so I don't know how the Warriors are going to handle it, obviously, but when Steph's playing this good, that's the thing. With the NBA, you don't have a choice. When your team is talented enough, and they've done it before, that's the thing. It's the Warriors. They've done it before. If you're a team that hasn't done it, 
if you're based around a guy that hasn't proven it on that level, deep in the playoffs, in the finals, it's harder to make that investment. It's a bigger conversation of do you just try to ride it out and keep these things together? Do you hedge your bet, which is what they've done already, and you keep Wiseman and you let him play with this core? Do you trade Wiseman for Curry, or do you trade Curry for Wiseman? Now, with Wiseman not being on the level that they were quite expecting, and St- and Steve Kerr said himself multiple times this year, yeah, he's a big guy. It's going to take a while for a big guy to come around. Do you trade Steph Curry for a big guy that you drafted number two that you know is going to take a couple of years and didn't give you everything you wanted in his first year? No, you're, you're out of your mind to do that. You can't do that. So do you hedge the bet? Do you go all in on Steph Curry? Do you just keep James Wiseman? Like, that's what they're dealing with, and now they're going to deal with it in a more pronounced way because everybody knows they're asking that question, and we're going to keep asking and asking and asking. So if you want to get in and and what you think the Warriors should do or what you think of Wiseman and what he did this year, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn. Happy to talk to you. Would love to talk to you. You can also find me on Twitter, by the way, because I get it. Like, you're out and about, or you're at work, and God forbid you're listening at work, and you just pick up the phone, and your boss is like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, listen, I'm calling Vince, okay? It's fine. Now, if your boss is listening, boss, this is from me to you. It's okay if your employees call me while they're at work. I am giving them permission. I don't know if you can allow it, but let. I just want you to know that I'm allowing your employees to call me while they're working. So if your boss is shaking their head, no, Vince is out of his mind, well, that's okay. You can tweet me, at It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word, at It's Vince Quinn.